Hi, this is Jim Brangenberg, the host of the I Work For Him radio show. Thanks for listening to the I Work For Him podcast, where we discuss our workplace as our mission field. The live version of our show can be heard each weekday afternoon at 3 p.m. Eastern on AM 570 and 910 WTBN, locally in the Tampa Bay area, and worldwide on the web at letstalkfaith.com or iHeartRadio. Our website, iWorkForHim.com, has great resources on how you can learn about how your workplace can be your mission field. And also check out the sponsors that bring you the radio show each and every day. And while you're there on I Work For Him, click on the I Work For Him Nation flag and prayerfully consider joining the I Work For Him Nation. Join thousands around the globe praying for their coworkers and employees by name each and every day. That's IWorkForHim.com. I Work, the number four, Him.com. Remember, your workplace is your mission field, and in that mission field, you may be the only Jesus your coworkers and employees may ever meet. Thanks again for listening. I hope this broadcast will make an impact on your life so that you'll never look at your workplace the same again. Let's get to today's show. You've tuned into the fastest one hour in Christian Talk Radio, and on Tuesdays, we call it together on Tuesdays with Jim and Martha Brangenberg as we tackle your marriage and your relationship issues. Why, you may ask? Because if you don't, you'll never, ever... Well, I mean, here's the deal. If your marriage and your relationships are a mess... When you go to work on Monday, you're going to take it with you. We've got to learn how to deal with the people that we love in our lives, and a lot of times our most dysfunctional relationships in life are with those that we love the most. So together on Tuesdays, we tackle a lot of times marital relationship issues, and today Martha and I tackle the lies that couples believe. Lie number four. The lie is, I'm king of the world. I am entitled to my spouse's love. In fact, I order an edict for my spouse's love. Anyway, before we get to that conversation, because it's going to be an interesting one, absolutely a fantastic one, just a challenge to go out to iWorkForHim.com and click on the iWorkForHim Nation flag. Make the commitment to join the I Work For Him Nation. Make the commitment to start praying for your coworkers and employees by name each and every day. And... When you make that commitment to also start serving those you work alongside, to look for ways to befriend them, to look for ways to pray with them when you notice that they're having a rough day, I challenge you to be an employee of excellence. Whether you're the boss or whether you're the janitor or anywhere in between, to be a person of excellence and allow the Lord to bring glory to himself through the work that you do each and every day. And you know, if you join the I Work For Am Nation, not only will you get a personal email from me, that I, I mean, I don't have a canned email. I just respond to everybody that, that joins. We also have in our hands, our very hands. Well, I got to put it in my hand, Martha. Put it in your hand. We have, in our, the I Work For Him Nation window stickers. You could also be bumper stickers, but a lot of people don't like to say that anymore. We got them this week. Literally, did we get them yesterday? We yes, get them? sir. We yesterday. Got them. So we are going to send them out to you. When you join the I Work Ram Nation, just to remind yourself, hey, I want to make an impact in my world. But it does take a paradigm shift in your mind, in your lifestyle to be a Christ follower. And honestly, I, I don't know how you deal with it if you don't just start memorizing this verse. You need to memorize this verse. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. Romans 12, 2 says this, but let God transform you into a new person. By changing the way you think. Today's conversation, Martha, is a lot about entitlement. And 
Entitlement is a mentality that, I mean, at this point in time, there are millions of people in this country that feel entitled. They feel that there's somebody owes them something. Well, how many people are in America? About 320 million people. So there's about 329 million people that probably think they're entitled in one way or another. Wow, I was going to hit on just a couple of categories. You're right. I mean, honestly, we live... In a a culture that just feels pretty stinking entitled. I'm entitled to the American dream. I'm entitled to be rich. I'm entitled to have great highways. I'm entitled to have fast food that's faster than the last time I was. I mean, whatever it may be. You're right. We all have the entitlement mentality. I think it's probably part of even the sin nature. I mean, even as a baby, they're entitled to a dry diaper. I mean, really, that's not about culture. That's just about comfort. I'm entitled to be comfortable. <laughs> okay. All right. So I, I agree with that to a certain extent. But uh, no, I agree. With, but I don't know if babies are really thinking about whether they're entitled. But they, they cry. Just, they just, well, they know that they're not happy. Yeah, that's but right. But the entitlement mentality, you know, there are a lot of countries you can go, and you and I have been to many of those countries where people, they'd like that better, but they, they're just grateful to have what they have. Yeah. Part of that is, is that they don't know different, so they don't necessarily know what they want to be entitled for, and that's a good thing. Well, and really, when it, when you start to bring your entitlement into your relationships, when you start to feel like people owe you something, that is always a bad place to be. I mean, it's just a, it's just a rough place to be because nobody really owes us anything. But that's really the, that's the message of the gospel. Right. That's the good news. The good news is... We're not entitled to anything. We're not entitled to God's love. We weren't entitled to Jesus dying on the cross. We're not entitled to forgiveness. But our Heavenly Father loved us so much. He gave us that. He sent His Son to die for us while we were yet sinners. And He loved us even though we didn't deserve it. We can't earn it. I mean, that's really the incredible message of the gospel, is that we, uh, we're not entitled, yet He gave it to us anyway. And, and really, that's the paradigm shift that happens when somebody becomes a Christ follower. They stop looking at everything that they deserve, and they recognize they're at the end of the rope, and they realize they don't deserve anything. Yet, their Heavenly Father wants to give them an incredible gift of eternal life and a relationship with Him. That, what, what did you want to read? I saw you pulled your Bible out. Yes, but I was trying to find it quick, and we read it in a different, the Bible on my nightstand this morning, so now I'm trying to find it. We, um, it was Lamentations. I know, and I'm in Lamentations, and I'm not, maybe it was four, um, about God's mercies being new every morning. We don't deserve the mercy we could sing it. that he gives us, and his... Our listeners probably know where it is. I thought I underlined it, but I'm in Lamentations. I did find that quickly that enough, well, so that was well, good. The, the good news is the mercies are new every morning. Yes. And in our marriage relationship, you get a new, you get a shot at starting all over again every morning. And so in our other relationships, when you go into the office, I mean, we get a chance every day to start all over again. So how about right now? Start all over again. You, you know, you don't earn or deserve anything you've got. But our Heavenly Father lavishes of us with gifts. Mm-hmm. You're listening to Together on Tuesdays with Jim and Martha Brangenberg as we tackle today the lie about entitlement that, uh, that we deserve our, we are entitled to our spouse's love. 
Martha, you were looking up Lamentations. Did you figure out which one it was? I did. You know, it was this nice one I had highlighted in yellow. I don't know why that couldn't jump out to me, but it says, because of, it's Lamentations 3, 22 and 23. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. And how about if we had that own our, that as our attitude towards our spouses? All right, all right, so a lot of people are going, all right, Jim, we turn into iWorkRam to get marketplace really knowledge and wisdom and challenge. Ladies and gentlemen, as you're tuning in today, I, I got to be honest with you, this, everything we talk about today, this entitlement mentality, especially as we're entitled, we think we're entitled to our spouse's love. A lot of times we take that same attitude, Martha, into the workplace, don't we? Most definitely. Entitled to a longer lunch break or entitled to a pay raise when you maybe haven't even done anything to prove yourself. Entitled to a bigger office or um, better coffee in the break room. You know, all those kinds of things that... Paycheck. We're entitled to a paycheck, even if maybe we don't do our job. Yeah. I mean, really, I mean, the, the, it's endless what we may think that we are entitled to um, in a very selfish way. I, I think the, the, you hit it on the, the nail on the head that everybody in the United States of America is suffering from some sort of entitlement. I'm just trying to think of what it is about. What am I entitled to? I, I, I think I'm entitled to hit all green lights on the way out to the highway. <laughs> I was just going to say it has to involve Almerton Road. We it, know that. It, it has to. or um, Peaceful driving, you yeah. think? <laughs> or or maybe just courteous drivers around you. You feel like you should be entitled to that. Well, and when they don't do it, then it, it disturbs me. But, yeah, so I, let's let's talk about this. But let's just talk about our own faith and how we've seen the Lord work in the intimate details of our own lives as we... Uh, move forward with I work for him. You know, for those of you listening, maybe today's your first time or maybe you don't listen that often, but a couple of months ago, we really felt the Lord say, Jim and Martha, no more crutches. We want you to go all into I work for him. We being the whole, the father, son, and Holy spirit. How about our Godhead, the three in one God said, we want you to go all in no more crutches. We want you to use this show to support you. And we want you to work on expanding the show across the country, really make it a great show. And that was a freaky conversation. And so for the last two months, as we have cleaned up things, you're working on the nonprofit application, and we've been, I've been, meet, we've been meeting with churches to talk to them about helping them start up mentoring programs, whether it's business mentoring or marriage mentoring, and, and we've been networking around the country and around Tampa Bay. We have seen the Lord provide. We have seen the Lord uh, connect us to incredible people that we didn't know before June 1st mm -hmm. that I might not have ever had time to even talk to. Right. I think that um, the biggest thing that I've seen is that um, people in Tampa Bay, because that's where we're, we know, and that's who we're rubbing shoulders with right now are really growing in their relationship with our heavenly father and um, desire to understand more about incorporating Christ in their workplace. And it's exciting to see that, that that's happening around us and um, that we're getting to be that mouthpiece for just letting people know that um, things are happening and that it could happen in their workplace as well and in their own lives and even a conversation I had today with a, a young lady that I just met and the how God has led her to do some things 
um, that we're going to be highlighting on the air in a month or so. And I'm just excited to see how God is bringing those people together. Well, and I've also noticed another thing is that as we build our team and as we build this vision that I could see the Lord moving this to a two hour show someday because we're booked up to the middle of October already. And, and that's incredible to me. I mean, I literally, we could fill a couple hours every day with ministries and business owners, testimonies, and, um, just authors, people that have written great books. I don't know if I can read any more books. But, uh, <laughs> but I think that the key to that is that... People are hungry. People want to hear more. There's more to share and more um, people that can share what God's doing in their life and encourage other people in the workplace. And the whole idea is we want those that are listening anywhere in the world to be encouraged that their workplace is their mission. Field. And let us know that you're listening. We always appreciate hearing from people. We get we heard from somebody yesterday who we helped out in a ministry standpoint a decade ago. We hadn't heard word one from this person in a decade, and mm-hmm. she just wanted to reach out to us and let us know how much she appreciated us. That's super awesome. It's nice to hear from people. Let them know that we're making an impact. Well, and the point to that is just the fact that you don't know what kind of an impact you're making. And do you want to make an impact for the kingdom, or do you want to make one that turns people away from Christ? Well, and I think what we're one of the things that I've noticed out there is that our listeners that we're we're hungry to hear encouragement for our faith from the pulpit on Sundays, mm-hmm. and that we need to take what we're learning on I work for him and bring it into the churches across the world because there are some churches out there that really get it, but there are some churches that. They're not sure what to do with us people in the marketplace. And we need to encourage our pastors. I mean, ladies and gentlemen out there, listen, if you're involved in a church, encourage your pastor to contact us. We'll talk with any person, period. We would love that opportunity. Love that opportunity to talk with a pastor. Honestly, we talk with a lot of listeners mm-hmm. that just have questions and want to just get a perspective. We're out there. This has never about been about Jim and Martha Brangenberg. It's been about how can the Lord use us to encourage Christ followers in the marketplace because your workplace, it's your mission field. And in that mission field, you and me, we may be the only Jesus our coworkers and employees may ever meet. All right, moving on to our topic, The Lies That Couples Believe. This is a book by Dr. Chris Thurman, and we're on the fourth lie. Mm-hmm. And I think it's like 10 lies. So we've got a few more weeks left. Correct. Is it 10 lies or is it? Seven, I think. Seven, 10, whatever. It's How many? a Christian number, I'm sure. Yeah. So anyway, however many lies. But this one is, is an interesting one because entitlement, you know, if you're not sure what entitlement is, look it up on the internet. But it's, it's saying, oh, I deserve this. Whether you really do or not, you just feel that you deserve it. You feel entitled. How many lies is ten. it? It's 10 lies. 10 lies. 10 lies. We still got lots more weeks left of this we one. Do. So All right. stay tuned. But so this one is... Like, okay, well, I'm the king of the world. I, you, I deserve for you, I deserve my spouse's love. Or I'm the queen of the world, I deserve my spouse's love. That, that we're some, how, some sort of ruler and we can demand, what do they call it, obeisance or uh, it's fealty or whatever. I'm, you know, whatever. <laughs> you and some, your vocab words. Well, it's the, you know what it is? <laughs> yeah, I, I watched way too many, you know, Middle Ages kind of medieval stuff, medieval stuff. And they have all these fancy words and things like that. Yeah. So anyway, all right. My chair was making noise. If you heard that, just ignore it. Martha gave me a funny face. (laughs) All right. So he thinks he's entitled to be comfortable while he's on the radio. (laughs) 
All right. So we just got a text from a listener saying that we're impacting her life. Thanks so much for reaching out to us. You can always text us. My phone, my text number is on iworkforhim.com. You can always get my cell phone number right from there. Uh-huh. All right. So the lie. I'm the king or queen of the world. I am entitled to my spouse's love. All right. So Martha, here's a question for you. Okay. Doesn't the Bible command us to love our spouses, to love our enemies, to pray for those who persecute you? Yes. Isn't that entitlement? Well, it depends on if you are the giver or the receiver. Oh, what do you mean? Well, I mean that it is he commands me to love my spouse and to love my enemies and to pray for those who persecute me. But it doesn't say my spouse, I, okay, how do I turn this around? Um, If I'm the enemy, I can't say I'm entitled to your love. If I am the one persecuting you, I'm entitled to be loved by you. That's the reverse of it. Oh, so that's entitlement. Sorry, we got a song right in my head. Be loved by you. Do, 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 do. Uh, <laughs> all right. But it is it is true that a lot of people act like this. Well, the Bible says you're supposed to love me. Yeah, so no love me no, no matter how mean I am to you or Love Me Tender, all of those Elvis kind of songs. All right, so Sorry, the song thing. You know, why you just do songs... have music in your head today. I do. Not really. I just, but every time we say something, it comes out. So the, the Bible commands us to love right. our spouses unconditionally, mm-hmm. to love our enemies, pray for those who persecute you. But it doesn't say that, hey, but we're guaranteed their love in return. Right. But when we're at the altar, mm-hmm. we make these kinds of commitments. Well, first of all, just in case you're one of these people, I just want to help set you straight. And Martha's going, oh, is this going to be a soapbox? <laughs> it's a slight soapbox. We have been involved in several couples' lives that have struggled with their marriages, 70-plus couples. And every once in a while on the street, you hear somebody that tells their spouse or their ex-spouse, well, I, didn't, I never loved you. But here's the deal. Nobody forces us to go to the front of the church or the front of a crowd of people and to get you married. I mean, shotgun weddings are not the current item that still happen here in the United States of America. They may happen in other countries. So you made a choice to make the commitment for till death do you part mm-hmm. for better, for worse in sickness and in health. You made that commitment and it's all about unconditional love. There was something about your spouse that you saw that said, I want to spend my life with them, but marriage is difficult. And this entitlement thing can destroy a marriage. I mean, it really can. Sure. I think because entitlement becomes very one-way, one-sided. Mm. I look in the mirror. So instead of being 100, 100 you're now you know, well, 100 on your part. I'm, I'm good. Right. I mean, very much that way, is, I think, is the mentality. And I think this is, a lot of this is just a danger in where you focus. If your focus is on, you know, some of the other lies that we've talked about in this book about marriage is just to make me happy and things like that. You're putting all the focus on yourself. And instead of this whole, what we just talked about, the Bible commands us to love our spouse, you know, not that our spouse love us. So how do we reconcile the fact between as Christ followers, we're, we're commanded to love and we're supposed to do it unconditionally and we're supposed to be marrying Christ following people. So they're supposed to be loving us too. But if we don't get it in return, how do we battle that back and forth? How do you how do you get through that without expectation? How do you how do you walk into that room 
and not have any expectations when you know what they're being they're being commanded to do the same thing you're being commanded to do. Martha, we're talking about entitlement. We're talking about are we entitled to our spouse's love? Are we entitled? I, I wrote this question down for us to discuss. Are we entitled to anything? <laughs> That's a very good question. Um, I don't know. I mean, are we entitled to food? How do you, how do you? Or Heavenly uh, Father says He'll give us those things, but are we entitled to them? I mean, we may not be entitled a, to the highest quality or the brand name or the flavor of your choice. Well, so entitlement really is an attitude thing, mm-hmm. is what you're saying. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's that attitude that can be so, become so toxic in our marriage relationships when we enter our marriage relationships and think that it's all about us or me. So in other words, I think it's all about me. Well, that will destroy a relationship because if it's all about me, then I'm entitled to certain things. But marriage isn't anything about us. I mean, me. Sorry. <laughs> Are well, you confused? I'm confused. I don't mean to confuse everybody. <laughs> so in other words, let me use names. When I got married to Martha, it became all, in my world, it became all about Martha. When Martha married me, it became all about Jim to Martha because we're supposed to be 100% in unconditionally. We're not entitled to anything. But because of what God has done for us, it's our response to his love in our lives. So what this book is pointing out, The Lies Couple Belie- Couples Believe by Dr. Chris Thurman, is that there are lives we or lies that we bring into marriage that we don't even realize or recognize. So as much as you said you were all in, 100%, it was all about Martha, and I would say I was all in, it was 100% about Jim— there were still certain things that we came into the marriage believing we were entitled to. Let's talk about some of those things. Okay, I'm so glad you asked. So, who's going to use the remote control? Well, that's a guy's tool. See, guys think they're entitled to it. Why is that? It's in our DNA. No, it's not. DNA and remote controls did not coexist. <laughs> I don't think the women were given the DNA, the remote DNA. Okay, I will admit the other night I messed up the TV and I had to come to you to go, can you fix this? And I really am just kidding, ladies. Yeah, don't, don't, just relax. Take a deep breath for crying out loud. But I, I know when we got married, I, 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 several entitlement. I was entitled to eat however and as much as I want. To eat? To eat. Is that what you said? Okay. Yeah, because I like to eat. All right. I was entitled to as many helpings of dessert as possible. And when we were married, I could do that first. 30 years ago, <laughs> uh, but I can't do that anymore. Um, I thought I was entitled to drive whatever car I wanted to because I had a car addiction. I love driving new cars. I thought that was an entitlement mentality. Well, I, did, I, I deserve this. Mm-hmm. You know, that was something that I was taught. Well, you deserve it, Jim. Mm-hmm. Do Go ahead and do that. Mm-hmm. You know, those are entitlement things that I, I got, but I really, but some of those entitlement things hurt us. Having too many cars definitely was not a financial advantage. Correct. The first uh, first no, less than a decade of being married, I wasted a lot of money on cars. All right, so entitlement. What did you What did you come entitled? Well, I think that um, I don't know if I came in with them, but I mean, just as far as things that so, I wait, think I went transparent. You're not going to say no, anything transparent. Sure, I can say something transparent. We'll make it real. Um, don't make it up. No, I just am trying to relate these to us because I I thought of some things that people in general are entitled to. So. For us, I might have 
thought that I'm entitled to a certain amount of rest or time, like to do what I wanted to do. You know, that kind of entitlement where you think, you know, you talk to a lot of people that, boy, they don't even spend Saturdays with their spouse. They're entitled to me time or they're entitled to uh, getting to go spend money a certain way that they want to go. Ooh, that's and a that, lot of people bring I, that Yeah, in, financially they? entitled to certain things. Um, entitled to uh, how we're going to share the chores in the house. You know, I'm entitled to sharing them with you and you have to share them with me. And, you know, just just having that, it really is almost a power struggle in some senses. Well, and, and, and you guys listening can hear that Martha's not willing to share what she felt she was entitled to during when we first got married. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But we're going to come back to that question for you later. Okay. I don't know. I can't think of a single thing that you ever acted like you deserved anything because you're an amazing woman. I was entitled to a clean house. I was entitled to everything in the kitchen being the way I wanted it to be. I'm sure that I felt like that was an entitlement. You were entitled to everything from Pampered Chef that you could possibly buy. Not when we first got married. I don't All think right, Pampered so Chef was invented yet. We, we got <laughs> two people called in for the books, Patricia from Seminole and Patricia from Palm Harbor. Thanks so much for awesome. listening to I Work For Him. We'll get those books out to you. Thanks so much for calling in today. And and uh, Ace determined it's is guaranteeing me that they're both different people even though you're both named patricia but we're grateful they live that in different cities we literally have every patricia in tampa bay listening to i work for him it's amazing <laughs> that's it's, awesome you know can i just throw in my two cents that lauren chandler is actually matt chandler's wife and we love Matt listening Chandler, to Matt fantastic Chandler. pastor. And so, and this is a beautiful book so anybody that didn't, didn't get it can go out and get their own copy all right, so Martha was entitled to lots of crafts. <laughs> Potentially, that's a, she did have a craft addiction when we first got married. All right, yeah. but let's let's talk about entitlement because, and we're going to hit into this because there's a Bible character that mm-hmm. that really, I mean, it just blows people's mind. David, King David, who is known in the Bible as the man after God's own heart, and when God references him to Solomon and Rehoboam and, and other king and Jeroboam references him as David did everything I asked him to do. Yet David is known to suffer from, in one significant event, from an entitlement mentality. Mm-hmm. The story of David and Bathsheba. Up until that point in time, David had been pretty selfless as a king. Although he had a few too many wives, he was he was still fairly selfless. But that night with Bathsheba, he acted like an entitled king. Yes. And he really, it, it dest- because of his actions, it eventually destroyed the nation of Israel. I, as I was studying this book, I read, of course, the book, and one of the chapters, this chapter, talked about David, King David, having an entitlement mentality. David, who was the king of Israel, a man known as a man after God's own heart, was up on his balcony deck one night. In the spring when the kings usually go out to war. But he sent Joab out to war and hung back home for whatever reason so he could get himself in trouble. And uh, he was alone and he noticed, well, he starts doing the whole, well, I'm going to check out the neighborhood. Well, he catches some person bathing. And back then, the, you know, there weren't exactly screens or doors or windows or things like that. And... Uh, you, we all know the story of Bathsheba. If you don't, I recommend that you go into Second Samuel and read the story of Bathsheba. I think it's chapter 16, if I remember correctly. 
but he has an affair with Bathsheba. He calls, well, first of all, he does some research on her, reconnaissance, and finds out that Bathsheba is the wife of one of his close buddies, one of the 37 mighty men of David, Uriah the Hittite. And guess what? Even though he was the wife of somebody that fought for him when King Saul was chasing him, he still uh, ordered her to the palace. And they consummate their affair, and the story goes downhill from there. They get pregnant. He tries to convince Uriah, pulls him off the front lines, sends him home, says, hey, you ought to go visit with your wife. Uriah says, no way, I'm not doing it. That wouldn't be honoring to my people back in the, on the front lines. Eventually, David sends Uriah back to the front lines and says, Joab, pull back. Let Uriah get knocked out by the enemy. And so Uriah gets killed. The baby that David and Bathsheba have dies. And there is constant strife in and amongst David's children and grandchildren. And the rest is history. But David had this entitlement, that thinking that he was entitled as a king to have any woman in the kingdom they could have. And he could have had any unmarried woman in the kingdom that he wanted. Right. And and I know you point out all the time, and he had plenty of wives and other opportunities as well. So for him to pursue this area of entitlement just really is a, a great example of what not to do. A great example of what not to do. <laughs> what not to do. What not to do. So um, we can learn from David, even David, who is a man after God's own heart, that we um, all need to keep ourselves protected from this attitude. Well, and part of the, David's downfall was he was entitled, thinking he was entitled to as many spouses as he wanted to. And honestly, that was not, not, that was not God's design. God's design was for a man and a woman to be married for a lifetime. And if David had only one wife, she'd have been right by his side and he wouldn't have been distracted by the neighbor's wife. But he had this entitlement mentality and... I think, I, I, I mean, David was eventually extraordinarily humble by the prophet Nathan and was extraordinarily repentant to the Lord, but he paid for this by like his number one, two, and three son getting killed and one of his daughters getting raped and by one of his other sons. And there was terrible, terrible enmity in his family. But the entitlement mentality, it doesn't lead anywhere positive. No, it doesn't. And, you know, the book asks the question, so did Jesus ever display any element of entitlement? And then the other side of that question is, did he deserve to? And number one, no, we know that Jesus did not ever display an attitude of entitlement. Um, I even think about when, you know, Satan was tempting him and they, uh, he's like, you know, you are you know, the king of the universe, you can command this to happen or that to happen. And he didn't. And he surrendered to the earthly laws of nature at the time and not saying, well, I'm entitled to fix this situation or to prove Satan's um, weakness or I something imagine, like that. I can't imagine how tempting that was. Oh, incredibly. But and, yet he did Any didn't. one of us, when we're, you know, he when he's sitting in front of Pilate, oh, so you're a king, huh? He <laughs> <laughs> just... Wow, because he could have called down, he, he, he could have, well, I don't know, could he be disobedient? I don't even know if he could be disobedient. I suppose he could have been because he was 100% man, 100% God, but 
Which wow. really wouldn't be disobedience. It, it would be him choosing the but it outcome. It would have screwed up the whole game plan, which was to rescue us. So right. the entitlement mentality. How does entitlement actually build up within a marriage? I think that's really important for us to talk about because entitlement can actually kind of grow. It's kind of like a festering sore that goes untreated. I think it can start with one selfish act where you say, well... My spouse went and spent $50 on something, so I'm going to go spend $50 on something. You know, not even a purposeful conversation, but just a, 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 a thought that goes through your mind, and then it, it starts to feed this idea of entitlement. I got one. Okay. My spouse can eat as many M&Ms as she wants to, so I, therefore, can eat as many M&Ms as I want to. <laughs> Way back when, when Martha and I owned a chain of insurance agencies, Ugh. every week I bought her a five-pound bag of M&Ms. Not you every week, probably every couple of weeks. I, I think it was not it was, even once a month. It, it was probably. And we had this bowl, and I'd fill up the bowl, and she would eat and eat and eat and eat. And so I would eat and eat. Well, I now weigh 80 pounds more than I did when we got married, and Martha weighs the same as when we got married. Maybe, give or take, a pound or negative a pound, whatever it may be. But the point was... She could eat as many as she wants. So I thought, well, I could do the same thing, but I could not. So even here's a simple... But expectations. Yes, expectations. Um, So the entitlement of I get to have as much sleep as you get to have, or I get to, you know, just just comparing we're not in this marriage to compare and outdo each other comparing is so destructive yes because we're different people i'm entitled to watch as much tv as you are entitled to watch i am i'm entitled to watch as many dishes that you wash or i'm entitled to you know whatever it may be i I think that but let's deal with we said what are some things that can build up entitlement we we talked about expectations Mm -hmm. the expectation that my spouse will serve me the expectation that marriage is all about me that was a lie we talked about last week or the week before. But expectations, you know, when you read 1 Corinthians chapter 13, I think it's the first eight verses, all the love chapters, we all know it. I mean, none of that descriptor of love has anything to do with expectations, mm-hmm. entitlement. It's all selfless. It's an all It's all a selfless focus. It is. And when you were talking about expectations, it made me think about one way that that can build up into entitlement is where maybe you treat me in in uh, making a fancy dinner and then the next night you don't and then I come to expect it and then I think well I'm entitled to it well I deserve it because I am this wonderful person or or just because he did it once he should do it again so those are all just lies that you build up on top of each other and you build this um, sense of entitlement when you don't even you don't even mean to but again you're letting it fester and grow in your life well it's almost like enabling behavior you set up an expectation one time and then your spouse comes back expecting that at the same time, but they don't get it. And so therefore it creates, well, I was, you did that. So I figured that's what you're always going to do. So we should never cook a nice dinner for each other? No, but you should, when you have <laughs> leftover spaghetti in the refrigerator, <laughs> you should always serve it every meal till it's gone. <laughs> okay. So Jim had this unspoken expectation yesterday because we made, he made his grandma's spaghetti recipe this weekend. Great grandma Battaglia. That's right. And so 
he of course loves how the garlic gets better and better and better every day. And so last night I thought, we'll take a break from pasta. Because we had it three days in a row. And we'll have Two days chicken. And I, of course I threw a chicken in that wasn't very tasty. And um, he was very disappointed because he thought we were having spaghetti for the third night in a row. But we are having it tonight. But we are so having it. We could defined okay. that this morning, just so, so everybody knows. All right. So entitlement. Is there any room for entitlement in your marriage? The overwhelming answer is no. Because we are supposed to keep our focus on our Heavenly Father in our marriage and serving 100% of our spouse, none of that involves the eyes focusing on us. Mm -hmm. Because entitlement will destroy a marriage, yet servanthood, self-sacrifice will build up a marriage to make it unbreakable. I mean, do we, I'm just trying to think of entitlement. I mean, I think you feel entitled to a fairly clean car, but I love giving you a fairly clean car. I love waxing your car. I think that's the greatest thing ever. I, I know you don't feel entitled to a clean garage, but we're both ridiculously retentive to the point where our garage is always really nice and clean. And if it wasn't, I, I, but I don't think their entitlement mentality, it's more we, we love each other so much that we just want to do that stuff. I think it's more self-sacrifice than it is entitlement. So we just got another comment from a listener saying that Jim should always make a nice dinner. <laughs> I love to cook the yes. things that I know how to cook. That's exactly the things that I don't know how to cook. I don't like to cook. He those. does all the grilling. All right. So what about our what about Job? Hmm. What what is the story teach us about Job? What what is the story of Job teach us? Because was was Job Job was a rich dude. He had lots of children. He had huge herds of cows and camels and sheep. He had big time real estate and Job lost it all. Mm -hmm. Was he entitled to any of it? Did God, and that was really, I think what the struggle was. I mean, he responded naked. I came from the womb naked. I shall return. But his friends all figured, well, you were entitled to that. What'd you do wrong? Why did God take that away from you? Right. And there's, there's that. I don't think there's an error in Job from Job, but he didn't understand the greater things and he was questioning God. But we're not entitled to any of that stuff, yet God gave him it all back again, different kids, of course, but gave him all back again. Uh, how... But don't you think it's interesting in our humanity that I would bet everybody that reads that story says, well, he deserved to get it all back. Right. So we think in entitlement on Job's behalf because we're like, well, he suffered all that. He should get it back. That's really a good thing that that happened to him. So even though Job didn't have an air of entitlement, um, we have it for him because that's how we see life in in our natural being. Right. Is there anything positive about the word entitlement? Hmm. I don't know. Why? It's just a struggle. And, and, and in our marriages, you know, anytime the attitude brings something where it's a selfish attitude as opposed to a selfless attitude. It just breeds destruction. I, I mean, I don't, we don't deserve our spouse's love. I'm grateful for it though, baby. Right. And we hope for it. Did you hear that? She said, right. She didn't say, and I love you too. Oh, oh I, I felt grateful in, for I felt love. entitled to that response. <laughs> you and did. I didn't, and I didn't hey, get what it. what a good example. I wasn't doing it for example. I was actually (laughs) looking for you to tell me you love me. I do love you. All right, you're listening to I Work For Him together on Tuesdays with Jim and Martha Brangenberg as we tackle the lies that couples believe, a book by Dr. Chris Thurman. Today's lie, I deserve my spouse's love. I'm entitled to it.
honestly, as we keep going more and more, I just like, ah, this is really an issue. So just, it really is a lie that couples believe. But it's a lie that I believe outside of our marriage. I think I'm entitled to certain things. Like I'm entitled to a vacation every year. I'm entitled to be able to talk to my children when I want to. I'm entitled to, you know, living in a decent house, having clean clothes, clean water. Mm. I feel entitled to those things. You know, we do really take a lot of that for granted. Yes, we do. A lot do. of people entitled to a cell phone, entitled to, the, you know, a lot of things you could think like that. We really need to um, be more careful. All right. You know, so we've, I think we beat this to death. I mean, here's the bottom line. If you think you're entitled to anything, you're wrong. So now that we have that cleared up, mm-hmm. we'll talk about another lie couples believe in a couple of weeks. All right, so let's talk about the marriage cruise because it's about time people start signing up for the marriage cruise. We've been just kind of dropping hints, but the marriage cruise launches next March the 30th, 2017. It is literally just a little over six months from now, and you need to get signed up. We, are, we only have 20 spots, and it is going to impact your marriage in a super awesome way. Yes, we just had a nice little conversation with our cruise planner friend Rick Saltarelli with last Salty night. Salty Breeze Cruise Travel. That's right. So our if you planners. have you know if you go to our Facebook page, I work for him, the number four, and you look for events, you will find details and a link to their website where they have a private um, event just for us where you can look at all the rooms, look at the pricing. You can call them with their phone number and ask them questions. They will hand, hold everybody's hand as they walk through the process and make it super easy for everybody because they want the very best for the experience. It, when you look at th- like this topic, this isn't a topic we've covered in the past on marriage cruises, but really we have covered it because we've talked about unconditional love. We've talked about selflessness in marriage. This is one of those things when you imagine having a conversation with your spouse and going, honey, is there anything I do where I act entitled? Many of us don't really want to know the answers, but if you did, that's a great question to ask. In fact, when you go home tonight, maybe that is a question you should ask your spouse. Or they could do like us and just talk about it live right on the air. Or you could. Wait a minute. Speaking (laughs) of that, was there anything that you felt entitled to when you got married? Um, Did you come up with anything yet? Having a candy dish? full of chocolate <laughs> at all times i don't know everybody i do not eat that much chocolate anymore not anymore that's right but she turned a calendar this year right, but that... the marriage cruise is yes. open husbands and wives who want to work on their marriage if your mm-hmm. marriage is in crisis not a great place for you to go because you're going to be staying in a room smaller than a bedroom for you know five days but it is a cruise where if you want to solidify your marriage and really work on it go out to iworkforhim.com click on the events tab or go out to our facebook page i work for him and look for the event the marriage retreat cruise which is cruise your way to a better marriage one of the other things love to draw your attention to again on iworkforhim.com is joining the i work for him nation if you join and make that commitment to start praying for your coworkers and employees by name each and every day looking for ways to serve people, looking for ways to befriend those people that you work alongside, looking for ways to pray with people, but all along being a person of excellence. Not only will you get a personal email responding to me and the commitment that you're making, but you also get a window sticker that says, I work for him nation. Martha, that's pretty good. Entitlement mentality. We got to work on that. We got to talk over dinner tonight, over spaghetti. We could talk to make sure I don't have any more of those entitled mentalities in my, in our marriage. And I will do the same. Really? Yes. Okay. All right. I love you, baby. I love you. All right. You've been listening to I Work For Him with your hosts, Jim and Martha Brangenberg, together on Tuesdays. 
Make sure you tune in every Tuesday as we tackle your marriage and relationship issues and how they impact you in the marketplace. You've been listening to I Work For Him with your hosts, like I said, Jim and Martha Brangenberg. We're Christ followers and we own our own business, but ultimately, I I work work for him. him.